Wolf from Earth. This is Movie Geeks United. Tonight is Blu-ray night, right, Adam? Yes, it is, indeed. I didn't want to say, like, tonight we're doing Blu-rays, and you'd be like, oh, shit, really? Let me get my... (laughs) (laughs) I'm also going to do the Amazon Prime thing, like I did last month. Cool. All right, well, uh, I guess let's say something about Solo. Mm-hmm. You're probably are you the only one who's seen it out of the three of us, Adam? Maybe. Dean, Maybe. I definitely Dean, haven't seen you... it. I'm not going to watch okay. it. <laughs> Forget <laughs> it. Okay. Forget it. I'm not going. I don't care if they say it's the greatest one that's been made yet. Or I just don't want to see that guy in it. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Forget it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that was that was my initial feelings too when I saw the trailers and. And all of that, and uh, I will say this: it's better than Last Jedi. Um, yeah, but that. who cares? <laughs> yeah. Well, Haven't we all heard the words "star" and "wars" too many times in our life. I think we have. I think it's come to I that agree. point. But I get suckered in every time. It's like I go in thinking I'm not going to like it because that was my attitude. I went into this one saying I'm not going to enjoy this. This is not my thing. But I had a uh, I'd already told my editor I'd cover it this week, and you know I was going to do it. We had the screening. It was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon last week, so I couldn't do the day screening, so I had to go see it. And I said, well, I'm not going to like this. I'm not going to like it. And I'll be damned. By the time we walked out, I was like, I kind of dug it, actually. And I said the same thing about well, Rogue One. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, the thing is, when you go into these heavily hyped movies, it probably behooves anyone to go in with the absolute lowest expectation in order to come out with a sense of like, oh, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, like Baba Duke, like whatever. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's a good, healthy way to go into it. But going in thinking, ah, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing ever, you know, no. Baba, it's not going to happen. Well, you know, I think it's interesting that these prequels that they're doing or these standalone movies or whatever you call them, you know, the extended universe movies, I guess you would say, they're actually better than the sequels to the – I think – I thought Rogue One was better than 7 and 8, Episode 7 and 8, and I thought this one was better than Episode 7 and 8. Well, it doesn't Um, surprise me, you know, it it seems natural because – we're tired of hearing that whole story of the saga or whatever. Let's yeah. Let's we are tired of that. We are done with that. Darth Vader is dead. The whole thing's over. So please, let's move on. Yeah, let's and stop so, building that starship over uh, the Death Star. I mean, over yeah. and over again. Yeah, let's forget let's, it. Let's move into something else. No, it. Uh, The thing about it is that, uh, you know, it's written, of course, by Lawrence Kasdan, and we know he knows what to do with this stuff. So that helps, obviously. I I, I think it's very, you know, it's the movie has a, you know, definitive three act structure, and you can, you know, but it's, they they don't overplay the humor like they do, like they did in Last Jedi. Uh, I thought the humor was way overdone in that, and, uh, and you're right, the, the Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo is not the best choice in the world, but once you get past, you, once you get used to him, I would say once you get acclimated to him about a half hour into the movie, I, I was going along with it, actually, after a while. I said, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of, I didn't think I would, he would win me over, but, but he did. But now, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, now he's really good, I have yeah. to admit. He, he's very, very good. That's, that's excellent casting, and and he's got some good stuff going on, and uh, 
you know, like I said, it's it's the typical Ron Howard. You know, he doesn't have a stamp on his movie. You know, a discernible stamp as yeah. a director. We know that, and so which, is, he's which makes him perfect for this. <laughs> yes, he does, and he he as as. Uh, as Aaron always likes to say, he gets the job done. So, <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. He does. That's so, that's what he was hired he, for. Yeah. So I mean, I'd give it a B plus. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that it's the greatest thing you'll ever see. Uh, I don't think people are turning out uh, no. to attend. This is my this is my uh, question about that because they're saying that four day total might be under hundred million dollars or just a little over it. Yeah. So everybody's going everybody's going batshit. Uh. Do you think that's a response to people's disliking of Last Jedi, or do you just think it's because it's not a main sequel? I think it's not a main sequel. I think if if episode nine, if this had been episode nine, I think people would have been lined uh, lined up for blocks like they have. But I just don't think the interest in a solo movie is there, in in my opinion. And we walked my son and I walked into it at a twelve thirty showing, and there was. You, I I don't even know if it was half full. I don't I don't know. And but uh, wow. like I said, it it was yeah. There wasn't a whole lot. Of, it was just a very sparse, sparsely populated theater. Let's just say that. And, is, and it, uh, let me ask you this: Do you think that uh, the reason that Star Wars has been as successful is simply because of Darth Vader? And well, now that Darth Vader is gone, there is no real deep interest in it anymore i think that probably has something to do with it um you know they tried to in this one they brought back darth maul who was you know in the phantom menace of course so he's he's brought back in this one so i don't know if they're trying to bring back that factor to it by bringing him into it in this one i don't know it seemed like that might have been a little bit of a grasp toward that sort of thing Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think you I think you might be on to something. And and I walked into this one thinking that it was just a standalone movie, but it's not. This is uh, supposedly the first installment in a series of Han Solo movies. It's, uh-huh. it, it is. And now and if this one underperforms, I don't know if we're going to see any more. I mean, and also Woody Harrelson is good. I, I'll have to say that he's got a. a a very meaty role in in the movie, and his uh, he his the, the nature of his character keeps changing. I should say, and so you're not really quite able to figure him out. You're kind of a little suspicious of him, you know, from time to time. It's it, it's it's interesting what he does, and like I said, it's uh, I I I think that Chris, what the Lord and Miller that were going to do that were fired from it originally, I, mm-hmm. I would have been interested to see what their version was like compared to this one. But, you know, this is, it's a standard Star Wars movie that's done in that workman-like Ron Howard style that accomplishes its goals and hits the marks. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's I, solid. You said I mean, workman. I, for, for a second there, I thought you said Bergman. I was like, what? Uh, no, okay. far from that. But it's, you know, I... In I, that Bergman-like <laughs> Ron Howard style. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we get to see. Uh, that would be interesting to see Han Solo as a young man having these recurring nightmares of himself in a coffin, as yeah. a la Wild Strawberries. So, oh god, that would be so. That would be so great if 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 those great uh, masters were still alive to see their version of Star Wars. 
I, I would love to see you. Let, give go give Godard episode nine. Let's see what happens. There. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, go for it. It'll be like a it'll be like a series of flashcards. That's what it'll be like. You know, oh man. Yeah, um, that that opening crawl would be somebody with an actual flashcard. Yeah, yeah. In Star Wars. But yes. it's funny, my my son, right. you know, he's seven. My son is seventeen, and and I did have have to get his take on it from his generation's perspective. And he said he he didn't like it as well as he liked Last Jedi. So I don't know. Maybe that some, has something to do with it. He said he enjoyed Last Jedi more than this one. But uh, speaking for myself, I think it was perfectly fine, and uh, you could do a whole lot worse. So that's all I'm going to say. There you go. Well, and that, that uh, belongs to the poster. Is, is it funny? Yeah. I mean. The, you know, because I think that's why the other guys were fired because they were making it too funny. Yep. I think uh, so. Well, it's as funny as a Lawrence Kasdan film goes, which you know that that mean you know we know he doesn't go overboard with his humor. Mm-hmm. That's not he he integrates it into the story. So yeah, yeah, there are a few you know, I guess chuckle moments yeah. but it's not over the top and yeah. I thought I thought they kept it in check which is good I thought last Jedi was just ridiculous the way they had you know Luke Skywalker tossing his lightsaber over his shoulder and things like that it's just that's I don't know it just rubbed me the wrong way but that's just that's just personal thing so <laughs> yeah. so, so so not believable so yeah, uh right is Woody Harrelson like a franchise actor now is, is he going Gary Oldman on us? He's pretty much he's he's pretty much appeared in almost every one of the major ones now. Yeah. He he uh yeah, he's he's getting a lot of the franchise action and like I said he's he's he does does a good job here. I I will say one other thing very quickly. Probably the most annoying uh, supporting character that you've seen since Jar Jar Binks is in this film as well. That's all I'm going to say, but there's a very very annoying um, secondary. Well, who is it? <laughs> and it's well, it's it's a robot. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't want to say too much, but it's a uh, it's it's very very annoying, and that that brought it down a little bit for me. But I was over I was able to overlook that. But just some of the I don't know something about that grated on my nerves as well. But when you see it, or if you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. So, mm. but well, they brought back Bicentennial Man. What? <laughs> <laughs> pretty close, pretty darn close, but yeah. Anyway, so that's okay. enough about solo. So, all right. So, uh, are we ready for Blu-rays or what? I'm ready, but uh, we'll. I don't know if Dean's seen anything. I'm ready. Usually. <laughs> all right. Well, we, we can dig right in. We can go back to May first, which I always try to start at the beginning of the month, and um, you know, there's. Some interesting titles from that day. Uh, Blaze is one of them. Uh, Ron Shelton movie from 1989 with Paul Newman and Lolita Davidovich. Kino issued that one. And, um, you know, as the, the stripper with the heart of gold, Blaze. <laughs> and Haskell Wexler photography. Yes, it is true. And Richard Jenkins in a... Uh, and Robert Wall in other, you know, lesser, yeah. lesser yeah. important. <laughs> yeah, Robert, Robert, Robert Wall just—he's uh, like uh, Dan Aykroyd light for me. He's just a really great. 
He's he's one of those meatball character actors that you're like, ah, I can't even stand looking at his freaking face. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're not. But Newman's good. Hollywood I mean, Newman, Newman, you could no. you could tell Newman loved that role because it's in yeah. keeping with what he loved to play, the old old coots. Yeah. He, that one off. Yep. Yeah. So that's one of the um, the Kino titles. I think I. I mentioned that they've gotten a hold of the Touchstone Pictures. They're doing some of the, the Blu-ray releases for some of the Touchstone films. I believe this is one of them. I I do believe. But there is a Ron Shelton commentary. That's the only extra there. Uh, another one, one of the Kino Touchstone releases is uh, from director Jim Abrahams of the uh, Airplane and one of the co-directors of Airplane and Naked Gun and all that stuff, Police Squad, uh, Top Secret, I should say. Um, this is Big Business with Bette Midler and Lily, Lily uh, Tomlin. Yuck. So, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, forget it. Moving on. What's the other one? What's yeah. the other? What's the other one they did? Uh, the Top Secret and no, no, no. Top no. Secret, Bette Midler and. Uh, Oh, them. Uh, well, outrageous they do Fortune? Outrageous Fortune, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. and Ruthless, yeah. ruthless yeah. People. I think the Jim Abrahams directed Ruthless People, I believe. Yeah, he's, he's Or maybe maybe all three of them directed. It might have been a Zucker, Abraham, Zucker. They might have. But anyway, they, yeah. they were involved. I think like Bet Miller was under contract or something uh, because yeah. she did a lot of those 80s uh, touchstone things. She did. She did. one with Shelby. What was the Shelley Long movie that, that was that Outrageous Fortune or? I believe that's it. Yep, that's the that's one. It. And then she did the one with Woody Allen, of course. Uh, scenes from a mall. Oh God. <laughs> not, the, not the high spot for anybody involved, including Paul Mazursky or Woody Allen or any of them. <laughs> so, but yeah, she was. That that might have been the nadir of that. <laughs> if there is such a thing. Um, so Mill Creek has issued a couple of titles. I don't know how interesting they're going to be to our listeners, but if you have a feeling for a certain type of nostalgia, here you go. We have uh, the John Travolta 4-in-1 Drama Collection, which has contains the following titles, Basic, Lonely Hearts, Love Song for Bobby, Love Song for Bobby Long, and Get Ready for It, Perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. That's... That is the worst box set ever. That has to be in the running for the worst box set ever. Okay, forget it. <laughs> There's not even one good movie in that box set. They could have thrown one decent movie in there. Oh, man. Poor James Bridges. He was really not having any luck there at the end of his career, and Perfect is a good example of it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. But he did bright. He did bright lights, big city the year after, right? I was eighty six. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. Uh, that was a little bit of a uh, yeah. That was a little saving. Anything's a, a rebound bit. from perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, the year before perfect, he did Mike's Murder, if you remember, which was heavily tampered with. Well, it was yeah. released the year before. I think it sat on the shelf for two years while they haggled over who got the final cut. Yeah. But, uh, I still think that that movie works despite its troubled history. I still mm-hmm. think that movie is is very powerful. 
Yeah, yeah, there's some good stuff there, and I I love Urban Cowboy, I'll be honest, he directed that as well, and I I love Urban Cowboy, and of course, September 30th, yeah, China Syndrome and September 30th, 1955, which is one of the few films to, you know, uh, study the impact of how a celebrity's death affects, uh, you know, just regular people, Mm -hmm. that's one of the few films that ever has went down that, that road with that subject matter, with uh, you know, it, it's, it deals with the uh, the effect of the uh, the sudden death of James Dean on a group of teenagers who were big fans, you know, and Richard Thomas is one of them, and that's a that's a very I think a very powerful little movie that people should see, mm. and the Paper Chase, of mm. course, we can't miss that. So, yeah, man, you know but that anyway. you know that kid that that kid that killed James Dean. I mean, he didn't kill him like intentionally, like murder, <laughs> but you know, yeah, uh, he was responsible. Yeah, responsible for his death. Um, yeah, that's an interesting story. He lived for he lived for a while, and he he, he, he never did. spoke to the press. But I wonder, uh, you know, what kind of life he led. Um, I know. Yeah, See, that'd be an interesting movie. Yeah, if any, yeah. If it, anyone knew anything about him, it would be yeah. I mean, you know, you can just make it out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you don't have to, it doesn't have to really be James Dean. You can just kind of know that it's James Dean and just make it all up. Mm -hmm. Can you meet, can you meet anyone? Can you have a relationship with anyone? Can you attend a party without that being the first thing somebody asks you? Oh, yeah. I know, really. Oh, you mean like after, you know... uh, you know, yeah. If 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 you had been in that kind of you know predicament with a major star and everything, and yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it could e- it could it could easily define you. Mm-hmm. That would be that mm-hmm. that is interesting. Uh, it would be a really really good movie. I tell you, yeah. a Deborah Winger movie. You guys were talking about Mike's murder. Deborah uh, under the radar Deborah Winger movie that I've always loved. Just because I've always thought it was so odd, is uh, everybody wins. And yeah, uh, that is a weird uh, movie. That is that is that is an odd odd film. I uh, like what, it. What, I watched her... I watched that movie. and I was like, what the hell is that? And Arthur Miller wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it's an unusual performance from her too. She was doing Ooh. a lot of good stuff back then, back in the early nineties. She did. I love Dangerous Woman. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. ever saw that. Mm-hmm. Barbara Hershey and yeah. uh, directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal, who's the father of Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal. That's really that didn't even get on DVD. Yeah, didn't even get out on DVD for some reason. I I love it. I still have the old VHS because I can't. You can't get it any other way, and it's it's good. Okay, here's trivia. Here's yeah. trivia for you, Adam. Uh, what uh, what's his name? What Sidney Lumet movie did the uh, Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal's mother right. Ooh, that's a good one. And I knew this, and I can't. I'm drawing a blank now. Um, I, I don't know this one. Oh, it's a uh, running on empty. Mm. That's right. Naomi yeah, I have right. It. Mm. <laughs> I have it. I just, I knew that. That's. Uh, I, I didn't know that she was their, their mother. That's all. Yes. Yep. That's that's the one. Yeah, they were. She was a writer, and he was a director. The husband was a director. Yeah. So yeah, they were a team until they divorced. So yeah, yeah that, 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 yeah, that <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. Yep. 
Well, um, so another Ron Shelton has been issued by Keno. Play it to the bone. Speaking of Woody Harrelson, um, that's been issued as well with Antonio Banderas as well. And there's a, no extras on that one. But if you are a Ron Shelton completist, well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there and, any Ron Shelton completists out there? I, I, I want to hear know. from you. Movie Geeks United at <laughs> Yahoo.com. If you are a Rod Shelton completist, yes, we're gonna put you. We're gonna put you on the homepage of our website. If you are, <laughs> in fact, That's a right. Shelton completist. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Mill Creek, who put out the uh, the the John Travolta, the aforementioned John Travolta collection? How about here's another one. Get ready for it again. Thank God it's Friday, the 40th anniversary edition. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to like that movie because I like the era and everything. But every time I try to sit down again with Deborah Winger, by the way, in it, uh, she's um, in it. There we go. That's very true. early, but uh, I want to like that movie, but I just cannot like it. It is just such an annoying movie. Mm-hmm. It just feels so phony, uh, which is what it is. It is phony, yeah, but Oscar-winning. Yes, yeah, it is true. <laughs> it is true. It came out around the what a couple of months before, or maybe it was the same. I think it was the same month as Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I think it came out. Which, um, you know, Sergeant Pepper's. What can you say about that? So. That, that was that was a hot year for the uh, for the Razzies. Yeah. <laughs> well. Sergeant Peppers has a, has a few choice moments. It's I don't think it's as quite as bad as everybody says it is, but it has a couple of moments in it. It does. Good. Yeah, it does. Yeah, the I, I wouldn't say the scene where uh, George Burns is singing, uh, fixing a hole, dressed up in rock star, rock star garb. That's not one of them. But no, um, in fact, they give George Burns like too many too many numbers in it. Like give him like yeah. five or six numbers. He's like these guys don't want to. People coming to this don't want to see George Burns singing five numbers, no. but uh, but you know it's whatever. Yeah, it's got some well, good things in it though. It's true. The Fixing summer the of '78. <laughs> yeah, you have you haven't lived until you've listened to George Burns singing "Fixing a Hole." So <laughs> that's all I can say. I like Earth, Wind, and Fire in it, and I think Aerosmith <laughs> is good in it, and. Um, it's got a couple of uh, oh, and Steve Martin, Steve Martin's yeah. part is probably the best part. I'll tell you the end sequence of that movie where uh, where all <laughs> where the Billy stars Preston, come out. <laughs> yeah, the stars come out and Billy Preston turns into a into a uh, he's a, we, a, a weather, weather vane, vane transforms yeah. into Billy Preston. Yes, and he's literally having there's lightning bolts shooting from his fingertips as he sings "Get Back." And yeah, floating through the air. Yeah, and that's just. So That's surreal, you just, uh, you ha- yeah. You, but the, not, but the uh, group of people that comes out at the end is my favorite part of it. Like, that's uh, just, that is just nuts, you know I mean? It's breathtaking. I'm telling you, I was watching it again recently, and Carol Ch- it's Carol Channing, Hank Williams Jr., Minnie Ripperton, Peter <laughs> Allen, uh, Keith Carradine. It's not Helen who's Reddy, in there, Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack, yeah, right. It's it's you're watching it and your jaw's just dropping. It's yes. like, my God in heaven, how do they get all these people? Out it's of worth it just for that. Uh, that that's a great moment. That that moment's oh, great. 
It is. It's it's incredible. Keith Carradine was on uh, Gilbert's podcast this past week, and he was talking about the day they shot all that and how surreal it was to 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 be in the presence of all those different people. And it's it's a good story if you haven't listened to that. It's really so. Yeah, good old summer of '78. What more yeah. can we say? Yeah. <laughs> well, I digress. Moving along, um, we have. Uh, Criterion released the 1948 film from Frank Borsage, Moonrise, which I did not get a review copy of and have not seen. But this one stars Dane Clark and Gail Russell. It's film noir. Um, some some people consider it one of the great movies. So sometimes you'll see a list that has it on as one of the greatest movies ever. But uh, yeah, so. Yeah, it's got a nice essay booklet and uh, some some interview stuff there. And Feast of July from 1995, starring M. Beth Davids and Tom Bell. And um, I wasn't really familiar with this title, I have to be honest, but it's another one of those Kino titles, I think, from Touchstone. So um, I think it may have been a, an import. not really sure. But anyway, uh, and another one of theirs, from that list of touchstone films is The Roommates, directed by Peter Yates, with Peter Falk and D.B. Sweeney. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is with Falk says an old, old man, right? This is the yeah. one. Right. It's the one. Wow. Peter Yates. Oh, yeah. how far we have fallen. Julianne <laughs> yeah. Moore. And, uh, and also Ellen Burson. Yes, not their proudest moments, probably, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just 15 years early, you must remember that Peter Yates was doing Breaking Away, so that's how far things had gone. Still, roommates but, did get an Oscar nomination for its makeup. That's right. Yeah, it probably probably deserved that. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another keynote title uh, is the Andy Sedaris directed film Seven, starring William Smith. Oh, great! They they nice of them to really work hard to come up with a new and original title. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine. This was the oh, okay seven, <laughs> seven from seventy nine. Yeah, but right. this this one has an interesting cast as well. It has, of course, William Smith, Barbara Lee, Art Matrano, Ed Parker, uh, Richard Lepore. A lot of these, some of these people turn up in other Andy Sedaris films if you're you know what he does but there's oh audio commentary here with steve mitchell who did the king cohen documentary and um there's trailers and interview with adrian sedaris i think that's his his wife or whatever so um anyway for for whatever it's worth uh there you go and we have gun crazy from 1949 1950 i'm sorry directed by joseph lewis and starring peggy cummins who we just lost last year and john dahl who Died very tragically at the early in his early 40s in the early 70s. He, I think, he fell and hit his head and had a stroke or something. But anyway, this is considered to be one of the pivotal film war classics of that period from the the 50s, and it's it is really good. It's great. It's one of the great film noir movies. It has some of the greatest direction of any film noir. Uh, mm-hmm. I heard that the transfer wasn't wasn't great. Uh, so it was a little bit below par uh, 
considering the the source it's coming from, but uh, uh, still, it's it's a major influence on the guys who made uh, Bonnie and Clyde, and mm-hmm. um, uh, it really is. Uh, it feels it feels like years ahead of its time, you know. Uh, it's, uh, the amazing uh, bank robbery sequence where the camera is behind in the back seat as uh, Penny yeah. Cummins is dri- driving. She stops outside and then he he runs in to commit the crime and uh, and uh, uh, they do it all in one shot um, where they they get away afterwards and uh, it is uh, it is really something something special and uh, very very very. Uh, Emotional movie, I think, too. Um, a yeah. little bit more emotional than than most film noirs are able to get to. So, I love the uh, the sequence where they're at the carnival where he first meets her, and mm. she's uh, he puts on the crown of can- with candles on his yes. head, and she fires the gun and and shoots and basically lights the candles on his head by firing the gun. Yeah, and that's pretty amazing. Um, She's fantastic in it, you know. Yeah, and of course is. he was a he was a notorious homosexual, uh, um, uh, John mm-hmm. Dahl, and so yeah. uh, that was uh, you know he, he had a very troubled uh, time in Hollywood because of this. Yeah, he did. You're right. A notorious like I said, died. homosexual. <laughs> yeah. Not what just a, a homosexual. What exactly but... do you have to be to be do to become a notorious homosexual? Well, you know, I mean, back in the fifties, if you were just if you were just homosexual, you were notorious just in general. I, I got you. Okay, well, I got you. I didn't know if he engaged well, in eyes wide shut activity or what was <laughs> what, what was indicated there. <laughs> well, how about the uh, the house that dripped blood from? Uh... One of those amicus How about horror it, anthology. How about it? How about it? No, it's uh, it's it's pretty good. It's one of those amicus films uh, written by Robert Block, who wrote the book that Psycho was based on, the movie, of course. And you know, it's four different tales of horror with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, and Denim Elliott is is in this one as well. And um, you know, not quite as good, I would say, as. Tales from the Crypt or Vault of Horror, but but certainly solid. And the problem nice with job. it is it's a little too funny. Like it is, they, that's true. They try and make it too funny. Uh, the mm-hmm. others, the other movies had humor in them, uh, like mm-hmm. particularly Tales from the Crypt, but uh, but they were more heavily horror based and yeah. a, a little less jokey. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but but there's some some of the stories like like any of those films. Some of the stories are better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I'd say the first and third one are probably the best. But um, anyway, for for fans of Amicus horror anthology films, you you could do a lot worse. So mm-hmm. and uh, how about the 1976 film from uh, director Paul Wincoe's Special Delivery with. Bo Swinson and Sybil Shepherd. What a teaming there! Wow. Uh, <laughs> Bo Swinson and Sybil Shepherd. Could what they just found the ugliest guy and the prettiest woman. They just said, oh, "Let's put them down in a movie together. Maybe it'll work." Yeah, this gets good. Work, get good. Got pretty good reviews. Um, you know, pretty solid, like B plus type. 
And I didn't get a review copy, although I went ahead and did a blind buy on it. I've ordered it. It's on back order, so I haven't received it yet. But uh, it's a pretty interesting cast. You have, like I said, Bo Swinson, um, Sybil Shepard, and this was at the peak of her powers, I would say, the same year she did Taxi Driver. And then you have uh, Sorrell Book, Jeff Goldblum, and Tom Atkins as the support. So how about that? <laughs> Plus Vic Tayback and uh and Garrett him, yeah. Graham. So Yes. That's a yeah. that's the early eighties uh uh that's a nutty cast right there. Yeah. And cinematography by Harry Stradling Junior who did and soundtrack by Lalo Schifrin that who wow. interviewed. So yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to checking this out, but I wanted to let people know it's out there. And how about the return of the Swamp Thing? <laughs> uh, With uh, Louis Jordan returning, even though he was killed in the first one, and Heather <laughs> Locklear and Sarah Douglas from Superman one and two. You know, she was Ursa. And um, Jim Wynorski directed this one as uh, Wes Craven did not, who had done the first one, of course. And I never saw Return of Swamp Thing. It got very bad reviews when it came out, so I skipped it. I, I do have a certain fondness for the first one. Uh, it's probably one of Wes Craven's better things that he did, I would say. And it's, a, it's a good comic uh, adaptation too. It gets the, I think so. it gets yeah. the feeling of a of of a comic from that era, right? So yeah, but I'm not so sure about the the sequel, <laughs> which led to a television series. If you remember, there was a series that went on Dark for Dynasty? quite some time. Or oh, uh, <laughs> that was another set. Yeah, yeah that was another does, set yeah. of monsters in that one. That's true. Different, different set of monsters, but yeah. But uh, you know, talk about people who have fallen. Uh, you can't help but see Louis Jordan in this, I'm sure, and think about Gigi, and he came <laughs> went all the way from from that to this. Oh. In the space of about thirty years. Oh, oh that's bad. Yeah, uh, Shout Factory put out Caged Fury from 1990. I'm not, uh, I'm kind of blank on this title, but we have. I do know that Eric Estrada is in it and Michael Parks. So <laughs> oh boy! Really? Stop there. Just stop there. <laughs> stop there. We'll stop there. there. Oh my God! So we'll move and on to May 15th. This is not an Andrew Sudeikis movie. It is not. No, can't remember who. Let's see who. Bill Milling directed that. I'm not sure of his work. I don't know really. But anyway, we'll move on to May 15th, and uh, Lady Takes a Chance with Gene Arthur and John Wayne huh. from uh, 1943, and it's a. I guess you'd call it a romantic comedy, uh, not uh, a little bit different from the romantic comedies that we know in this day and age. But what passed for a romantic comedy in 1943? I've never seen it, to be honest. But but uh, that's the description anyway. And then there's a Pyromaniac's Love Story from 1995 with William Baldwin and John Leguizamo and Michael Lerner and Joan Plowright. So it's um that both of those are Kino releases. That lady takes a chance and Pyromaniac's love story and and uh Carbon Copy, one of the early Denzel Washington appearances from nineteen eighty one with directed by speaking of Sergeant Peppers, same director, Michael Schultz directed this one. And this is George Siegel and 
Susan St. James, Paul Winfield, and of course Denzel, as I mentioned. Drew Siegel so, discovers he has a son, a, a black son. Right. Uh, and it happens and, to be Denzel. Yes. Right. <laughs> Have you ever watched it? I that's one of no. those movies that I've never. Uh, I just heard such bad things about that I just, uh, you know, and, and I'm already like, I'm already kind of on the fence on George Siegel. He can be annoying or sometimes mm-hmm. he's effective, but um, uh, yeah, I, I never took a chance to to watch it. Is there anything good I in it? Have. No, okay. I never did. I never, okay. never did. But uh, yeah. But uh, there's a the um, Die Hard came out in a 30th anniversary edition this time on 4K so there's there's a 4K issue of it now and I'm hearing pretty good things I didn't get a review copy of it but I hear the quality is pretty outstanding on that so new transfer and then we have from Scream Factory we have the It's Alive trilogy from director Larry Cohen which has all three of the It's Alive films. Uh, one, the first one was 74, the second one was 78, and the third one was in 87. This was a, a time when they were trying to, the studio, these distribution companies were trying to get product to get on video store shelves because there was such a, a need for for stuff in video stores, and so they were getting financing. And so that's how I got the money to make this third It's Alive movie, but I think the second one's probably the best of the three, in my opinion, um, I remember uh, finally checking out It's Alive, which really the most notable thing about it is its ad campaign. Um, yes. Because its ad campaign was so secretive about the baby that everybody wanted to know what the baby looked like because all you saw was a hand hanging out of a out of a uh, bassinet or something. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like a claw or something, and you're like, oh, what does the baby look like? Well, finally, when they had the baby show up, you know, or whatever. Uh, it's uh, it's a little bit more effective, but uh, um, but keep it too secret in the first one. And I find the first one extremely boring, like maybe one of Larry Cohen's most dull movies. Yeah, it's not my favorite of, of his movies. I mean, I I can remember seeing it on cable when I was in high school, and I was more tolerant of it back then, but I, I think I was a little less patient for it this this time. But And the third one is interesting. It has good casting. It has, um, speaking of Garrett Graham, he turns up in there, and um, so does McDonald Carey <laughs> and <laughs> wow. Michael Moriarty and Karen Black. Um, so the, it, it's got an interesting cast, the third one does. but And it starts out pretty well. It's an interesting premise because they've taken the, the babies – uh, they're now have they've all like grown up. They're on an island or something. Yeah, they're they? on an island and they get stranded on an island with the murderous, mm. what used to be babies but are now adults. And so, you know, it's 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 okay. But you know, all in all, they're just just uh, just okay, I would say. But the second one would be the one that I liked the, the best of the three. And, uh, and what Universal year was the second has, one? Uh, Seventy-eight, four years after the first one. Although the first one, well then, came how out how, and, how did? Wait a minute. How did Bernard Herrmann compose that if he was dead? Well, he he did the. I think he had left. He, there was some leftover stuff that yeah. he had he had written music for the first one. I think what happened was that there was some leftover material that had been recorded, and then Laurie Johnson went in and uh, a British composer 
went in and finished what was you know, worked yeah. with what was left over. And so he did the music. He did the music. Herman's name on it. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, good. because he did technically compose some of it, but just not all of it. It was Larry Johnson was, was the provided the music for um, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so it's the same. The one and the same. So yeah, that's that's how it worked. But yeah, technically he did. You know, <laughs> Which made her natural for it's alive too. <laughs> <laughs> true, true enough. But um, so Universal has put out a couple of titles: uh, K9 with uh, James Belushi. Oh <laughs> these my are all god! Are, are, are these titles going to get any better? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're getting into some good stuff. We haven't gotten to the uh, the Twilight Times or the, uh, okay. the Olive stuff yet. Uh, Problem Child 2, we'll get uh, this stuff out okay. of the way. Um, we'll get, uh, let's see, um, uh, The the Wizard. <laughs> okay, moving on. And and we mentioned this one. We referenced this one last week. I had no idea it was out there until I looked at my list. Uh, the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. With Robert De Niro. <laughs> oh, boy. We talked about that one last week. What a slog into the, the, <laughs> the degradation of society. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. So, and then Kino has issued The Crew with uh, Burt Reynolds and Richard Dreyfus. Uh, okay. Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good cast there. You can say that at least. But, Is that the uh, one where it's the old guy uh, robbing the bank? Yeah, yeah. Right. Good fellows meets grumpy old men. Yep. Isn't it. like Seymour C- 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 Castle in it? Yeah. He is. Yes, that's correct. Very good. Yeah. So. Which is also which is also the name of a touring company in Ireland. I, I don't know if you're aware mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> they have nothing but castles in Ireland. So when they do I tours, all they do is... <laughs> uh, Very <boy>. good. <laughs> Man. Seymour Castle. Uh-huh. Um, well, Andre Tarkovsky's final film, Sacrifice. That's um, brilliant. Yeah, that's a Kino release. Uh has been sourced from a 4K restoration, this, this release, and there's a lot, of, a lot of nice extras on here, so... If you're a Tarkovsky fan, this has uh, audio commentary by Layla Alexander-Garrett. Uh, there's an interview with the co-editor of The Sacrifice. There's trailers. And and then there's a, a second disc, which is a DVD only, but it's a feature-length documentary on the life and career of Andre Tarkovsky. So, by the way, we should mention Sven Nyquist did the photography. That's so, true, yes. Yeah. So, is there... I, so, it's yeah. a great movie. It it is, it is. Uh Flickr Alley has put out something kind of fun, I think anyway. This is Cinerama. Which is uh wow. you know yeah, they've they've issued this. Um and it's it's been beautifully restored from the original three panel, six perforation camera elements. And it's the most extensive and thorough restoration that they've that they've done on this. On they say the film that changed the shape and sound of movies forever. I would like to see this now. I'm, I have to admit, I'm I'm curious to see all those Cinerama movies, even if the, even Cinerama Holiday or or whatever. You know, I'm I'm just interested in seeing the whole uh, the whole thing. 
I have a question. Can you watch that sure. on your iPhone? <laughs> you, one one would hope that people who buy that disc or, or that they that would not be the way that they would want to see it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, we would we would hope that wouldn't be the uh, the case. Uh, there's a nice documentary on here too called "Restoring This Is Cinerama," which is a detailed behind the scenes look at the at the restoration. And um, so there's all kinds of extras on here, like it's loaded to the gills. So it's uh, so this like is, said, Flickr this Alley, is a company called Flickering Flickering Alley. Is this like a new Fl- Flickr Alley? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They've been around for a while. They um, oh. they they put out some. Some of the stuff that uh, you know kind of flies under the radar like that, the curios, I would say. But that they they have done some good work. They've done, I think they did a box set of early Chaplin stuff, I believe, a while back. So they they do they do some good work when they when they they just don't pump out as many titles as some of these other companies. But uh, Arrow has issued Herschel Gordon Lewis's 1964. Film 2000 Maniacs, which this comes from a, a, a longer print that's supposedly the most complete version ever issued, they say. Uh, I don't know. I didn't get the review copy on that, but I uh, just wanted to let people know that's there too. And The Other Side of Hope is a Criterion release from uh, it's uh, from A.K. Kurosmaki. I think you pronounce his name that way. Um, 2017, it's a fairly new release from them. They usually don't do things that are that recent, but that's one of theirs. And How Do I Love Thee from Kino, from starring Jackie Gleason and directed by Michael Gordon from 1970. This was at one of those uh, lower points in Jackie Gleason's career before he <laughs> had a resurgence with Smokey and the Bandit. Mm. This is, uh, yeah. How Do I Love Thee? So, By the way, uh, A- Aki Karismaki. Yeah, Karismaki, that's right. Mm-hmm. Couldn't I couldn't remember how to pronounce his name, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it's full of Kikuchi? dollars. Uh, there you go. Kikuchi. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, A Fistful of Dollars, the uh, new 50th anniversary restoration, or, well, I guess it's beyond 50 years now, but uh, they're labeling it as a 50th. 50-year anniversary. It's a brand new restoration and all kinds of supplements, documentaries, and and new audio commentary by Tim Lucas, who did the video Watchdog magazine. And so there's a, it's jam-packed for anybody who is uh, uh, wants to get the latest uh, transfer of fistful of dollars. And the 2012 film Beyond the Hills has also been issued by Criterion. And then we have, uh, I know you're a big fan of this, Dean, so I, it's a newer release, but we'll mention it because uh, I watched it and I liked it too. Game Night oh, uh, yeah, has been issued was... by Warner Brothers. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Much by the way, that Beyond I... the Hills is very good. That's Christian Munju, uh one of the great uh, Romanian directors uh, who did uh, who did uh, graduation last year and also mm-hmm. did uh, uh, was it four, four weeks <laughs> three months and two days or whatever a few years before that and he's he's really great but that uh, Beyond the Hills is is very very good oh good uh, good to know 
So Arrow has issued the 1973 film with Klaus Kinski, Death Smiles on a Murderer, for anybody who's interested in that. And then we'll get into the uh, the Twilight Time titles real quickly. Um, there's some pretty good stuff here. Have um, Speaking of Paul Mazursky, we were talking about scenes from a mall earlier. Well, we'll go back to 1976 for Next Stop, Greenwich Village. Mm. Uh, early performance by Will, Christopher Walken here and Ellen Green. I think this was her debut, I believe. And Shelley Winters plays the overbearing Jewish mom, and her son is played by Lenny Baker, and he's loosely based on the the real Paul Mazursky. This is a semi-autobiographical film about his time and trying to break free from his from his mother and make it as an actor, and then of course later made it as a writer director. And um, I think it's a, a really really good movie uh, in that Paul Mazursky sort of way that he did things back then. I really remember Pauline Kael's review of it. It was glowing. It sure was. I, yeah, I pulled out my book, and after I watched it the other night, I, I reread her review. You're exactly right. And it's, uh, yeah, she loved it. And everything she said was right on the nose, I believe. Early uh, I, Christopher Walken. Uh, yes. Um, and uh, Jeff Goldblum. But of yes. course, Joe Spinell has to be in it because he was in every 70s movie. And uh, Lou Jacoby, of course. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Lou Jacoby, yeah. Yeah, so all sorts of interesting people. I remember watching it, uh, uh, God, years ago, and uh, thinking, oh, this is going to be right up my alley, you know, 70s movie, uh, Mazursky, blah, blah. And then I looked at it, I thought it was a real bore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that can't well, all be great. It, well, it's, I, I think it, it gets better as it goes on. That was my it take does. on it. It does. I thought by the time it was over, I really had an affection for it. I, I really wasn't feeling it till about maybe the one hour mark, and mm-hmm. I hung with it. And by the time it was over, it, that the last scene of the movie really kind of tugged at my heart. It's and better it, when he gets out from underneath the the whole uh, the thumb of Shelley Winters and everything. Uh, yeah, when he actually gets out there, uh, but the whole battle to you know leave home or whatever is uh, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not top tier Paul Mazursky. I think Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, and Unmarried Woman, Harry and Tonto, those are all much better in my mm-hmm. opinion. But um, mm. this, you know, still, there's there's enough to recommend it. I would say, and there's the audio commentary that was recorded for the DVD release. It's been ported over with Mazursky. Of course, he's no longer with us, so it's nice to have these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's joined by Ellen Green on the commentary. So. Um, All right. Here's a, here's thought, a trivia for you, Adam. When did? Yeah. On what project did Paul Mazursky? This is pretty easy. And Brian De Palma work together. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Hmm. I'm drawing a blank. I don't know this one either. I'm drawing a blank. I should know it. Carlito's way. Paul Mazursky's in the That's first scene. That's right. Yes. What did Mazursky do on it? He's in the. He's the he judge. He was the judge. Or the, oh, yeah. he's the actor in it. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'd forgotten that. You're exactly right. You're right in the beginning. Yeah. He was a good actor. Uh, you know, he, he was. He was good on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I thought when he turned up there. And yeah. the Sopranos. Yeah. And Sopranos, yes. 
Um, so D.W. Griffith's The Birth of a Nation has been issued by Twilight Time. It's another one of their titles, and this is um, the Kevin Brownlow Restoration, mm. which is all three hours and 11 minutes of it <laughs> here with uh, in 5.1 surround sound. The score has been done in 5.1 audio. So it's, it's uh, a surround sound silent movie. All right. It is. It is. Well, that's what they've done with these Chaplin things on the Criterion's put out. City Lights and Modern Times, they're all 5.1 also. And, you know, it's it's interesting because it's like, it's almost like you're sitting there listening to a live orchestra play, you know, like you would if you saw it in a theater. Mm. It's, it's kind of fun. So, anyway, Birth of a Nation, this is, like I said, a, a meticulous restoration, and they have even the outtakes and original camera tests, if you can imagine that. Those have also been found and put put on here. It's a two-disc set. Is and any of it uh, tinted, or did you watch it, or...? I just yeah it is it is color tinted it absolutely is and there uh, there are four restored Civil War themed silent films from D W Griffith and other directors on here as well ah, and yet yeah so there and and it has a D W Griffith audio thing here where he's joined on the Lux Radio Theater with Cecil B DeMille mm. so. It's uh, it's like I said, a lot of bang for your buck here with this two two disc set, this restoration. Um, we have Walter Hill's 1993 film Geronimo, that um, you know stars Jason Patrick and Gene Hackman, of course, and Robert Duvall, and um, you know, it's Walter Hill, so <laughs> and John Milius scripted with Larry Gross, so yeah. I don't know if you guys what your feelings are on that, but if you're a I've never Walter, seen it. I haven't either actually. And I'm a Walter Hill fan as a general rule, except for some of the recent things. But the vintage Walter Hill, I'm a huge fan of those Yeah, the eighties titles. Oh my gosh, yes, in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So yeah. And the final Twilight Time title would be Hilda Crane with Gene Simmons. Uh Shot in Cinemascope and written and directed by Philip Dunn. Hmm. So from the play, the title, I, I will say know. this about uh, I will say this about Geronimo. It must have been really great during a certain period of time, and maybe still. Mm-hmm. For any time they had a part for an Indian actor, Wes Studi was there. <laughs> like he was like, <laughs> it's still like that. It's still like that today. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I need a weirdo in my movie. Well, there's only one person to call, Christopher Walken. Hey, I need an idiot. Well, let's call Wes Studi. <laughs> yep. I mean, he'd have the market quartered. Yes. Yep. He's yep. still because he was in hospitals. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's your Twilight Time titles. And then uh, from the MVD Rewind collection, that's uh, Savannah Smiles has been issued. Ugh. From 1982, unwatchable. Michael Parks, Michael Parks again. <laughs> unwatchable, terrible movie. Like, I'd... like even if you're looking for like a little family movie, you know, like a oh, it's got a little girl in it. It looks sweet. Let's put it on. I can't watch five minutes of this. this is <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. How is uh, Michael Man. Parks' um, recording career? <clears throat> How are any of his albums? <laughs> I don't know about it. You know, he had a top 20 single on the Yeah, he did. 
yeah. the uh, Long Lonesome Highway from 1970. Which so that's, he, the, that's the theme to the show, right? Uh, and Cole Bronson. Then came, yes. then, then, yeah. then came Bronson. I mean, yeah. Then came Bronson. Yeah. 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 He, yeah, it was. Yeah, I keep I keep he, com- I keep coming across his albums, and I'm like, should I pick him up or something? I don't know. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's he 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 managed to have a top forty hit, which is not something most most actors can claim, just a handful of them. So yeah, well, we also have uh, I I posted on social media. You guys commented on it already, but I'll say it again that George P. Cosmatos is. 1983 film of unknown origin has been issued by Scream Factory under their new licensing deal with Warner Brothers, and they've done a pretty good job here. They ported over the audio commentary from the DVD with Cosmatos and Peter Weller, and there's new interviews with the executive producer Pierre David. This is the the giant rat movie, of course, where Peter Weller has purchased a new brownstone that has a that it's infested with a huge rat that just will not leave him alone. And there's, I had totally forgotten a couple scenes in the movie. There was one scene that made me jump, literally. Um, I had totally forgotten about. So it was it was fun revisiting of. I love that scene. movie. I think that movie is really really strong. I think it it, it really yeah. uh, does a good job of making him feel uh, uh, isolated. Um, even though he's, you know, still going, showing up at work and everything, but Weller, Weller continually, you, you see his slide downhill because he's really put together at, at the front of the movie, and of course by the end of the movie he's a complete wreck. So yeah, uh, it's it's a really really good movie. It's it's very uh, very well done, you know. Yeah, I think so too. And um, so well, yeah, if it's, it's a Cosmatis movie. Uh, is frequently are of unknown origin, but you, you're probably safe in betting that uh, the origin is another director. Because <laughs> oh, he so struck that? me, he struck me at a certain point in his career, at least, as just you know a traffic cop more or less. Mm. And uh, other people actually directed the thing, and that was the, that was the deal with uh, Cobra and uh, Tombstone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's true. It's funny, you know. There's a element of directing movies that that is like a traffic cop kind of thing, but that's usually what the assistant director does, not the director. Mm-hmm. Um, the assistant director is the one, you know, kind of, you know, telling people where to be and so forth and so. But uh, yeah, well, he's, you know, he wasn't somebody that we suspected was a great visionary. <laughs> so, yeah. But we featured so many great Cosmatis stories on our show. I mean, just go back for the listeners out there. Go back and listen to that Cobra show because it is filled with great Cosmatis stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how the the funniest thing is that the the crew used to call him uh, George Comatose. That was. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, that's funny. If a crew yeah. turns against you, man, you're you're in trouble, man. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so we're down to May 29th, actually. We've already moved up to this coming Tuesday, and some some titles worth mentioning there, for sure. Uh, well, one is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Mm. That's a great widescreen movie. I mean, if you've yeah. 
If you've never seen that, that is that is uh, Stanley Donan and uh, has some really really fantastic uh, musical numbers in it, and uh, really uses the CinemaScope, uh, you know, uh, ratio very well, and it's beautifully costumed and photographed and art directed and. Uh, I can't say that the music is anything that really sticks out for me, like any songs from it or anything, but uh, it's really the dancing in it that really uh, strikes one. And uh, and then uh, you do get caught up in the story. You you get caught up in the in the story a little bit more than the spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, it 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 is it does have its charms and. Uh, of course, directed by Stanley Donan. Um, you know, no stranger to this sort of thing. Uh, this um, is a two-disc special edition, this Blu-ray. And it's uh, the second disc has, as you were talking about, the CinemaScope version of this. Well, what some people don't know is that there is an alternate version that was filmed in a flat aspect ratio of 1.77. Mm. So it, there was an, actually, they shot this film twice. They shot it. In in the 1.77 and in Cinemascope, so so there's two two different versions of the movie, and the other one has been issued on a second disc, mm-hmm. um, in that 1.77 ratio, and then the the first disc has the the Cinemascope, the the one that we that we all know and love, and there's a behind the scenes documentary and uh, with updated interviews with Jane Powell and some of the other cast members and the. 30th anniversary celebration newsreels and uh, a trailer of Donan's musicals, uh, a gallery of his film trailers, I'm sorry, the musicals he directed. So, yeah. Um, if, and we should mention Julie Newmar is one of the daughters. Uh, oh, yeah, and, of course. And uh, Russ Tamblin and, uh, and uh, well, I guess Russ Tamblin is the most famous out of all the uh, the. Uh, bro- the seven brothers. I the would brothers, say. yeah, yeah. So, Probably right. Yeah, yeah. He turned up in a lot of those MGM things that were must have been on contract to them, I believe, around yeah. that time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Olive Films has issued a few things that are worth mentioning. One is Odds Against Tomorrow, directed by Robert Wise. Mm. Which uh, this is a Robert Wise film noir. Uh, which stars Robert Ryan as a racist ex-con looking to make a quick buck, and Harry Belafonte as a nightclub performer with gambling debts and in need of some cash. And also has yet again Shelley Winters. <laughs> she was all over the place. <laughs> wow, Ed Bagley and Gloria Graham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all the films has has issued odds against tomorrow. And um, they've also issued, which I'd never seen till the other night. I, I got my review copy and watched it. I absolutely loved this. One of the funniest movies I've seen in probably this year uh, is Cold Turkey, the only directing film directing credit by Norman Lear, mm-hmm. the sitcom king, of course, who created you know All in the Family and Jeffersons, and we could go on and on. But I thought this film, I. I could see it probably wouldn't be for everybody, but man, this film is just so politically incorrect and so subversive, and it just struck a chord with me. It's my kind of humor, and and I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed. So, and a big cast. I mean, a big, huge yes. cast uh, of people. Like Vince Gardenia and Gene Stapleton, uh, uh, Bob and Ray are in it, and uh, uh, 
Paul Benedict, who you might remember from the Jeffersons mm-hmm. playing their next door neighbor, and uh, uh, just also Emmett Walsh and all sorts of uh, you know character actors from that period. So because you know they're playing a whole town trying to stop smoking. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, boy, uh, for that period, you know, that, it was also an unusual movie too because they it really made smoking look unattractive and horrible and mm-hmm. a horrible habit, uh, which was, you know, something that movies just didn't do back then. And yeah. uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's chaos. It's one of those chaos comedies. I think it takes its place alongside, you know, things like, you know, Mad Mad World and so forth. Uh, just, a, you know, raucous, like 10 million people in it, uh, anything can happen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's decent, you know. It's uh, it's it's uh, it was on television quite a bit back in the seventies for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's got some good things in it though. I will warn people though: there is a scene where a dog gets kicked to comedic effect. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so it's not for. for Jeez, I forgot all about that. Oh yeah, and I. I, I probably shouldn't have laughed, but I did. <laughs> I have to admit, <laughs> I, I couldn't help it. The way it was, the way it was done in in service of the movie, and I'm sure they didn't use a real dog, but uh, it was the way it was done because they're 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 trying to illustrate how people in the town are irritated because they can't smoke and they're just annoyed and every little thing gets on their nerves and they're just grouchy and <laughs> that kind of thing. Early score by Randy Newman. Yes, yes. That's and did you mention Jean Stapleton is in it? Which yes. I don't know. She she may have uh, gotten her job as Edith from. No, I think they had shot. Well, maybe so because they shot the first. I think they're the sort of in pilot. tandem, like they're they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like happening and, at the same time. Yeah, and another character actor that turns up in this is uh, Judith Lowry, who was in. Uh, a very old woman at the time this was made. She was uh, most notable for playing um, Cloris Leachman's mother on the mid seventy sitcom Phyllis. Mm. But she's this uh, this old woman who carries a gun around with her throughout the movie, and she's intent on finding a communist and shooting him, and shooting a communist and killing them. And so she shoots at everything that she suspects might be a communist, and that's a funny sub subplot that runs through the the movie. I thought, but yeah. It's good, and Olive has also issued a bucket of blood, but on DVD only, but they've done a new transfer with it. It looks really good, even though it's just DVD, but it's the Roger Corman film with Dick Miller where he makes sculptures out of people that he's murdered. And uh, gets, I thought it was uh, that he's painting, painting with people's blood or something like that. Is that, uh, is that not – or is that another one? I was thinking that he makes sculptures out of the people he's killed, but it's been a long time. I could be wrong, but that's that's what I I thought that he was he was a a sculptor. But I like you might said, be mixing it up with uh, like a, a House of Wax or something like that. Could you be, know, yeah. but could uh, be. I think he what he does is he he kills his victims and he paints with their blood, and uh, it's their uh, they. He he sells some paintings and and he decides he has to keep this thing going. Yeah, it's uh, but it's, it's a black comedy. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it's good. It's good comedy. to get the facts right. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I, because there are some people that were on the fence if it was merely just like a sculpture. I mean, I, I want to see people people being being painted with their body parts and blood. And <laughs> I'm sure, we sold a few more Blu-rays. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So the 1966 film from Robert Brisson, Brisson um, All Hazard, Balthazar. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, one of the great movies. I mean, it's a uh, blind spot uh, for me, but I'm hope. Uh, supposedly they they were slow getting out the reviewed copies, and I'm supposed to be getting one. I'm looking forward to catching up to this. But yeah, it's, it's 2000. It's, it's fantastic. Oh. It's the, I've heard that. Yes. It's a sort of a um <clears throat> a, a religious allegory with uh the lead character being Balthazar the donkey that uh mm-hmm. switches owners. He's the donkey is really the main character, the title character and the uh switches owners uh, uh numerous times and uh and uh kind of suffers the life of a beast of burden and uh it's a it's a really really uh devastating movie uh really really great if you've never yeah, seen it check it out it's one of a kind everybody says everybody says that so i'm i'm looking forward to to catching up to it I'm, and um so so there's that and another criterion that's coming out this coming tuesday is midnight cowboy which was uh, they issued that on Laserdisc, the Criterion Company did back in the day, but they never issued it on DVD. But they've somehow managed to get the rights back. And there's um, some new features. There's a new selected scene commentary by the cinematographer Adam Hollander, and there's uh, the crowd around the cowboy, a 1969 short film made on location. There's uh, a Waldo Salt. The uh, writer of the film, of course, is a documentary about him from 1990. Two short 2004 documentaries on the making and release of Midnight Cowboy. And there's an interview with John Voight on the David Frost show from 1970. And the interview from 2000 with Schlesinger uh, for BAFTA in Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, in the commentary from 91, I think it's the original uh, Criterion commentary with uh, Schlesinger and the producer Jerome Hellman. So, anything regarding John Barry and the score? No, not seeing anything about that, or mm-hmm. uh, or uh, Harry Nielsen's contribution, mm-hmm. you know, either. Which he wrote a song for the film that wasn't used, if you recall. Uh, I guess the Lord must be in New York City was written, oh for the yeah, film, but not used. Mm. Um, and then they decided to go with everybody's talking, and I guess the Lord must be in New York City, wasn't even included on the soundtrack, uh, although it was included on a later Harry Nielsen album. I think that's a superb song, personally. But, mm-hmm. um, so the 1973 yeah, I hear, I hear film... The tra- I hear the transfer is not great. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Wells, uh, you know, piped up about the transfer and showed some, some pictures, some side-by-sides of the new transfer, which he said... Uh, uh, he illustrated looks very teal, very very green, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and doesn't get it quite correct. So it's uh, uh, at least going by his as evidence, uh, um, it doesn't look like they got it right. Hmm, it's too bad. Maybe there's a manufacturing error or something, and they're gonna correct it. You never mm-hmm. know. 
Mm-hmm. That may be why they were late getting them out because uh, I I got an email the other day that said they they apologized but they were late getting them out so there may be some sort of some sort of error that mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's a possibility. So Scorpion releasing has issued the 1973 film Lady Ice, directed by Tom Grease, mm. starring D- Donald Sutherland, Jennifer O'Neill, Robert Duvall, Patrick McGee. Tom uh, we're talking about the Patrick McGee from the yeah Tom Grise yeah I hear Grise I hear Grise I'm not uh, how do I pronounce it somebody help me <laughs> Grise it's Grise it's Grise I've talked okay, to good. the children good to know okay I stand corrected <laughs> from now on I'll remember that but Patrick McGee is in this also the uh, Patrick McGee from the Kubrick films of course mm-hmm. John Cipher mm-hmm. so never saw this. Uh, Reincarnation of Peter Proud. That's a Kino release, which I have always wanted to see, and that's been notoriously hard to find. Never issued on DVD. It's a brand new 4K transfer, and from the Paramount archives, and a lot of nice extras. And uh, this is kind of a nice tie-in, although they didn't intend it to happen. But we're always joking about how this this happens. That Margot Kidder died, and now they're issuing Reincarnation of Peter Proud, and she has a major. She's Got third billing in the film, so uh, <laughs> yeah, Jennifer O'Neill yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, Victor yeah. J. Kemper is the cinematographer who also did Dog Day Afternoon. So, and it's directed by J. Lee Thompson, who mm. was kind of hit and miss. But I hear good things about this one. I've always wanted to see it. I remember seeing it as a kid and, uh, and thinking it was effective, but I haven't gone back to it. Uh, it would be something neat to go back to. It's uh, got a Jerry Goldsmith score mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and um, some interesting people in it. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to check it out again. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll we'll finish, we'll wrap it up here with this one from 1981. I know you're a fan of this one, Dean, I'm pretty sure. Roger Donaldson's 1981 film Smash Palace with Bruno uh, Lawrence and yeah. Anna Jenis, Jemison and Keith Aberdeen. That's uh, an Arrow Academy release. They've done a restoration on this, and there's a 51-minute documentary on the making of the film. It's a great Tom, movie. Have you ever seen it? You know, I have a copy of it, but I've never never gotten around to, to actually seeing it. It's great. It's uh, you know when it came out, it came out a little bit after um, Kramer versus Kramer, mm-hmm. and uh, it was kind of billed as kind of the alternative Kramer versus Kramer, where uh, the father gets uh, faced with uh, uh, faced with the mother uh, wanting to take their daughter away from him. And mm-hmm. he just he just goes nuts uh, while living out there in his junkyard, which he calls yeah. the Smash Palace, and uh, it's it's really really effective, a very very uh, uh, trying kind of movie. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <clears throat> oh yeah, but uh, yeah, so I guess that wraps it up for the May Blu-ray releases. <coughs> there, that's uh, and um, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, that's good. Um, not not all bad, right? There's some good ones. I mean, there's some It's a little spotty. <laughs> a little yeah. spotty this month, but of course, not your fault. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what can you do? Um, 
Well, at Amazon uh, um, in June, I think I'm going to start with uh, the end of June because there's fewer titles that come out. Um, uh, so June 26th, Shutter Island, which I always have sort of despised. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think that's Scorsese, my choice for Scorsese's worst movie, personally. I, uh, you know. There. Uh, you know, uh, maybe one of his earlier ones or something, but I don't know. Uh, that's not a thrilling uh, start to the month. But June 16th comes Nostalgia, which uh, is the John Hamm movie that came out earlier this year. Uh, it's a series of characters, you know, dealing with uh, dealing with changes in their lives and, and loss in their lives. Uh, John Hamm. Pat Oswalt, Catherine Keener, uh, Amber Tamblin, uh, Bruce Dern, Nick Offerman, and Ellen Burstyn. Um, so not a bad cast, but it didn't get great reviews. Uh, June 5th comes uh, Lions for Lambs, which has to be one of the biggest movies that I've never seen. Like in terms of cast, you know, Robert Redford, Meryl Streep, Tom Cruise, uh, Andrew Garfield, Michael Pena. You're like, Wow. How could I have not seen this movie? But, of course, it was savagely reviewed when it came out and easily mm-hmm. probably Robert Redford's uh, most uh, damningly reviewed movie as a director. came out in 2007. Well, anyway, I'll get a chance to see it in, on the 5th. Uh, and July 3rd uh, uh, or June 3rd comes uh, Lady Bird, um, Greta Gerwig's highly acclaimed movie. So we'll be able to check that out on Amazon Prime. And uh, and then I'll just move on to July 1st, which is where most of the movies um, uh, debut. July 1st? Or June 1st, sorry. I, I put July for some reason here sometimes. Um, okay, so uh, we've got um, – we've got. I'll start with the worst of the bunch first. Uh, 1492 Conquest of Paradise. Uh, Alan Quartermain in The Lost City of Gold uh, with uh, Richard Chamberlain. Uh, The Burbs, which is unwatchable if you ask me. The Ashley Judd, Tommy Lee Jones movie, Double Jeopardy. And the entire Leprechaun series, which I did not realize (laughs) that the Leprechaun series stretches 20 years from 93 to 2014 and Mm. stretches over – well, how many? Three, four. Okay, so you got one, two, and three, and then you got Leprechaun in Space, Leprechaun in the Hood, Lepre- Leprechaun back in the Hood, and Leprechaun Origins, because we want to know where the Leprechaun came from. Um, so there's that. I heard good things about the Hood movies, uh, Leprechaun in the Hood, so I might check that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, telling you, man, uh, you got you got to hear the uh, closing credits song in Leprechaun in the Hood. It's really funny. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, I think I want to check those two out the, the In the Hood and Back in the Hood uh, Space Jam Which I've always despised You know the, the oh, terrible yes. Bugs Bunny thing And just uh, can't stand it uh, Tears of the Sun, Bruce Willis And Universal Soldier Dolph, Dolph and, and Jean-Claude uh, uh, There's uh, some Movies that I think I want to check out Like I've never seen Vampire in Brooklyn uh, I've never, is it horrible? <laughs> Wes Craven? Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's 
it's worse than Lions for Lambs. Let's just put it mm. that way. Wow. You actually watched Lions for Lambs. Oh, yeah. I watched the opening weekend. We had oh, Mark Fleischer oh, came yeah, on. Oh, yeah, because you were working there during the time there. Uh, um, no, no, I was gone then. But uh, but what was the movie you just said? Uh, Vampire, Vampire Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, terrible. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, five minutes in, I'll cut it off if it doesn't work. Uh, the Ant Bully, uh, which also is something that didn't look great, uh, came out the same time that Ants came out, didn't it? Um, two two animated movies about ants. Anyway, Julia Roberts, Nicolas Cage, Meryl Streep, Paul Giamatti, Bruce Campbell, Lily Tomlin, and Regina King are in, provide the voices. So that's not a bad cast for voice actors. August Rush, Oscar nominated for its song "Raise It Up," um, is coming out. Uh, uh, the Young Karl Marx, which I didn't know about, uh, but is a movie with August Deal and Vicky Creeps, who was, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, was just in uh, Phantom Thread and made a big splash there. Um, Ring of Fire comes comes out comes to Amazon. Uh, this month, this coming month, with uh, it's a TV movie with, uh, directed by Allison Anderson Anders from 2006. Uh, it's a Johnny and June Carter Cash biopic with Jewel as June Carter Cash and Matt Ross uh, as uh, Johnny and um, John Doe and Francis Conroy as the senior Carters. Uh, Panic, uh, William, William H. Macy as a as a hitman. Uh, I thought that you know that's something that's fallen through the cracks for me. House of D, David Duchovny's directorial debut, with Anton Yelchin, Robin Williams, Taylor Leone, and uh, Frank Langella, and Erica Badu, I should say. Taylor um, Leone, where did she go? She's uh, doing the TV show. She's doing. Uh, she's doing Madam Madam Secretary. Uh, oh, right, she, right. She plays Secretary of State or something. Uh, interesting uh, Canadian disaster movie uh, coming out uh, on this day on Amazon. Uh, Flood from 2007 with Robert Carlyle, Tom Courtenay, uh, David Suchet, who played uh, uh, played. Uh, uh, the uh, the detective from uh, Orient Express, whatever his his name is, uh, Poirot, and uh, also uh, Tom Hardy, early Tom Hardy role, uh, Cave Dweller, uh, Lisa Chodolinko TV movie, uh, who did the kids are all right. Uh, this is with Kira Sedgwick and Aidan Quinn. Uh, Two days in the valley, which I you know is kind. Of, I was mixing it up with a couple of other movies, but. I looked at the cast and I was like, "Okay, this cast is pretty interesting." Danny Aiello, Jeff Daniels, Terry Hatcher, Glenn Headley, Peter Horton, uh, Marsha Mason, Paul Mazursky, uh, James Spader, Eric Stoltz, Charlize Theron, Louise Fletcher, and Keith Carradine. That's not a bad cast. No, so I might check that out. Uh, yeah, Tiny Fox. No, yeah, doesn't surprise me. It's better. It's better than the other thing he did about with. Um... De Niro and Edward Burns. Oh yeah, I hated that. Two days with God. Yeah, I despise that. Chinese box. Wayne Wang, 
working from a script by Jean-Claude Carrière, classic uh, Oscar-winning script writer, and uh, with uh, Jeremy Irons, Gong Li, and uh, Maggie Chung, uh, also probably not a good movie, and uh, The Fourth Floor, 1999, with Juliette Lewis, William Hurt, Shelley Duvall, and Artie Lang, believe it or not. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> 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 that, that's nuts. <laughs> and finally, Wonder Wheel, which I still have not really checked out all the way through the Woody Allen movie. Uh, but um, uh, I will get a chance to see that. And then finally, we'll just move on to the really good stuff. Uh, on July 1st, the best stuff that's hitting uh, Amazon, or June 1st, sorry, um, uh, the best stuff that's hitting uh, Amazon uh, are the following. Uh, of course, we get Age of Innocence, the great uh, Martin Scorsese movie. Uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, which that'll be fun to check that out again with uh, Nicholas, one of Nicolas Cage's best and most unhinged performances. So if you've never seen that, you'll have a chance to see that soon. Uh, Breakdown, which seems to kind of fall in and out of their uh, Amazon's kind of uh, you know menu. Uh, I guess they have a very unusual uh, uh, rights issue with it or whatever. But uh, I do I do find that I can watch that movie you know pretty pretty endlessly. Uh, just a great uh, Kurt Russell uh, performance and. J.T. Walsh as the as the villain and just a really really top um, exciting movie. Uh, the Disaster Artist hits on June first, uh, you know, with uh, James Franco, so we'll be able to check that out. Uh, Day of the Dead, the uh, the I guess the middle of uh, Romero's Dead uh, saga. Um, so, and I, I really enjoy that one. I think it's, uh, I think it's good. I think it has a lot of, it feels very claustrophobic, like most of the rest of the series. Um, Escape from Alcatraz, the great, uh, Clint Eastwood movie, uh, directed by Don Siegel. It is good. Yeah. It's very good. Mm-hmm. It is really, really, uh, one of a kind movie there. Um, Event Horizon, uh, which is another one of those movies that can, seems to fall in and out of their, uh, their uh, menu, but uh, I enjoy Event Horizon quite a bit. I wish it was a better movie. Uh, I sense that there's a better movie in it, uh, and I would like to see a recut of of it one of these days. But uh, still, it's uh, it's it's actually one of the more you know you know usually with sci-fi movies you don't usually say wow that's a really scary movie, but Event Horizon is scary. It actually manages to be yeah. very unnerving. Uh, so uh, so if you never checked that out. You'll have an opportunity to uh, check it out soon. Uh, Mouse Hunt, uh, (laughs) which uh, Gore Verbinski uh, cut his directorial teeth on it before moving on to uh, uh, probably worse projects. But uh, Mouse Hunt is still very fun, even though it, you know. I like it. Yeah, it is. It's it's a good, that's kind of a good, uh, kind of a good kids movie in in a way, you know. and uh and it's it's very lively uh the natural which i i will love watching in this uh uh in you know turning it on every once in a while cuz i just find that i can look at that's a movie that i can just look at and listen to and don't really have to pay attention to the story cuz i've seen it a lot of times 
But I just enjoy the cast and the uh, incredible Caleb Deschanel photography and that amazing Randy Newman score. There's just nothing like it. And, uh, um, yeah, I know it doesn't really have much of uh, in common with the uh, very downbeat novel that it comes from, from uh, Bernard Malamud, but uh, uh, I still like The Natural quite a bit. Um a couple of Pink Panther movies, Pink Panther Strikes Again and Revenge of the Pink Panther, hit on June 1st. Uh, also, The Running Man, which is uh, uh, Schwarzenegger's uh, film uh, um, that is uh, quickly... I, I read, Did you guys read this this uh, analysis of The Running Man? Like, somebody, somebody did some kind of analysis and, and made... Uh, the thesis that, that the running man is actually coming true, <laughs> and uh, I read it and I was like, "Dang, they're 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 not far off base here on this." Uh, sounds crazy, but well, uh, well, it was. I mean, it was written when King wrote it. I mean, it was written as a kind of a foretelling of where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean, not not exactly. I, I'm sure whatever that analysis is, it's, it wasn't exactly exactly what King had in mind, but. I mean, it was meant to be a, um, a sociological kind of uh, satire of where our culture is headed. Mm-hmm. And then they mm-hmm. catch Schwarzenegger in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're far off base on it, really. I mean, you know, it could, it, I could see I could see some enterprising uh, TV executive proposing it for real. Uh, yeah, and and there and there have been treatments like that in movies before. There's this movie called Death Watch that's. <laughs> It's not a game show, but it's it's similar. With I forgot who directed it, but it's Harry Dean Stanton's in it, and uh, it's interesting when they film a woman's death. But they, they, uh, but that movie, The Running Man, was totally different uh, when it got off the drawing board, and uh, mm-hmm. then they realized that they could get Schwarzenegger. So then they then they realized they had to make a Schwarzenegger movie. So they <laughs> really had to change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. I, I want to check it out again. You know, it's a, it's been it's been a long time. Richard and Dawson, course, man. Richard Dawson, he, who's terrific in it. Really, really good in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's good. Um, also uh, hitting on June first, uh, Religious, which, believe it or not, I have never seen it. Even though you know I really wow. like Bill Maher and uh, so forth, but I have still never seen his, his one documentary. Uh, effort, and I loved uh, it. So I'll have to check this out. I, I, I think it's time. Uh, then finally, Saturday Night Fever will be coming out, uh, and so there will be a chance for us to see that in all of its glory uh, anytime we want. And uh, Stanley and Iris, uh, the last thing that I'm going to mention, which uh, uh, is a late effort by. Um, by uh, who's the director? Uh, Martin Ritt. Martin, Martin Ritt. Ritt, right? With um, uh, Jane Fonda trying to teach the illiterate uh, Robert De Niro how to read, and then falling. And in then love he reads the script to Rocky and Bullwinkle. And, <laughs> 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 and, and, and a really downbeat ending on that one. Uh, right. I've never seen Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barter, Barber of Fleet Street. It's good. I've never, I like, I've never, I like, I like Burton Sweeney Todd. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even in light of like, uh, I really like that George Hearn, um, uh, Angela Lansbury 
TV production that was done of it. So yeah. I've uh, I've I've just been wary of checking out Sweeney Todd simply because I just don't think any of those people can actually sing. Uh, can they sing? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they could carry it too. They they carry it too. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I I wasn't looking for uh, operatic perfection from people playing. You know, really, <laughs> even uh, though they're in an opera. Really low. Uh, uh, no, they they play it realistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. they, they they sing like desperate people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Desperate uh, ordinary class people. <laughs> I, watch, watch it for the watch it for the visuals. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I thought it was beautifully photographed, and uh, I didn't think it was uh, Tim Burton weirded out, you know, to the extreme that it takes you out of it. Mm, okay, all right. Well, that's good. There's a couple of really, you know, bad movies that they they look bad. I've never seen them, but uh, Ladies Man, maybe that Tim. I think it might be the Tim Meadows uh, movie from the early early two uh, thousands. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never seen Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, but I'll get a chance soon with Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson. Never check that out. And uh, Robert Zemeckis' version of Beowulf, I've never checked out either, from the Neil Gaiman script. Um, uh, simply because I I thought Polar Express is one of the most horrifying movies I've ever seen. Just, I can't even look at that a frame of that movie without just feeling chills going up and down my spine just looking at those dead-eyed characters in it. But uh, so I've avoided Beowulf, but I'll have a chance to see it uh, when June comes around. So because uh, it'll be on Amazon Prime. <laughs> 